How's it going, everyone? And welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's rendition of a Christmas Eve episode. Um, so today we're going to be talking about if you were going to start a franchise today in the NFL, whether you would start a franchise with Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Now we're going to get into some college football playoff talk and who I think is going to win. We're going to go over the Taylor Hall trade. And then finally, we're just going to go over some general NBA news. So starting off with Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, um, I'm just going to go right out and say it that if I were to start a franchise today, I would be picking Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson. Um, so just looking at both their careers so far really quickly, um, Mahomes is in his third year, Jackson's only in his second. Um, however, Mahomes did sit his entire first year except for the last game of the season behind Alex Smith. Um, so they played about the same amount of games. But um, Patrick Mahomes is currently 23-7 and as a starter um, in the NFL. He has 9,238 passing yards for 75 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. He's also the MVP last year where he threw 50 touchdowns. He has 479 rush yards and four TDs, and has been in two playoff games, both last year where he went one and one. They lost to the Patriots. And then Lamar Jackson is 19 and three as a starter, uh, 4,328 passing yards, 42 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. And he is 0 and one in one career playoff game last year where they lost to Andrew Luck and the Colts. However, he has an astonishing 1,901 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. He broke Michael Vick's pat, or rushing record this year. Um, just looking at both um, last year in the playoffs, I think Patrick Mahomes has shown the ability in bigger moments to be more successful. Last year, Lamar in the playoffs was probably one of his um, least successful game. Granted, it was his rookie season, so hard to be too... Um, critical of him there um Mahomes is also mobile enough that he can keep plays alive and he makes throws that very few in the league can make um when I think of Patrick Mahomes I think maybe the first three quarterbacks that come to my mind of who else in the league can make a throw that he can make would be Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz just by pure arm talent um um, Josh Allen has probably the closest arm to Patrick Mahomes, but he's not nearly as accurate. Um, Matthew Stafford also up there in that conversation for strongest arm. And I think Mahomes just fits a lot more NFL schemes better than Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar just is built in a great system because John Harbaugh is an excellent coach and knows how to build around a player. And there would be a lot of other teams as well that could use Lamar in the right way. If Lamar Jackson was on the Chiefs, he would tear it up too. I mean, he's already thrown to guys like Mark Andrews, Willie Sneed. Imagine what he would do throwing to Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, guys like that. But I just think over 32 NFL teams with all their current coaches and whatnot, if you just drafted um, a quarterback to start your franchise, I feel like Mahomes would fit more of the systems in the NFL than Jackson could. And I know Jackson hasn't gotten injured yet, but there's always that injury risk with him because of his running uh, style. 
And he is definitely showing the ability to throw the ball in the pocket. Um, the people out there that just say he's a running back, I don't like that notion because he's clearly shown he's a good pocket passer and can excel passing the football as well as running. But I just think Patrick Mahomes is a different breed, honestly. Um, he just does things on the football field that we've never seen in the history of the NFL um, with arm talent. Aaron Rodgers is probably the closest one to do so. Maybe Brett Favre. Um, but Mahomes, to me also, he also has the head-to-head against Lamar. And like I said before, I think Mahomes just comes up bigger in, um, in down the stretch of games and in crunch time. Because the Ravens have pretty much dominated most teams this year, it's hard to get a gauge on um, Lamar as far as that goes. We're really going to see here coming up in the playoffs how they do. I'm really interested to see which team can go farther, whether they meet up. Um, If Lamar was able to go farther this year, maybe even win Super Bowl or beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, I'd maybe change my mind. But right now, I just think Patrick Mahomes... Uh, is the way to go if you're starting a franchise. And I feel like most GMs and owners in the NFL would feel the same way. And that's nothing to take away from Lamar Jackson because he's clear-cut MVP this year. But I just think Patrick Mahomes uh, is the better overall player still. So now looking at the college football playoff, uh, we have Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and LSU. So no Alabama for the first time in a long time. Big reason for that was Tua Tagovailoa's injury. So we have Clemson versus Ohio State. So Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. On the other side, we have LSU versus Ohio State. So we have Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. Really interesting matchup. Jalen Hurts transferring from Alabama after Tua took his place in the national championship game and really never gave the starting job back. And you have Joe Burrow coming off the Heisman Trophy year. Then you have Justin Fields, who is a transfer from Georgia, playing and starting at Ohio State this year. And then you have Trevor Lawrence, the guy last year that most people expected to be the number one overall pick whenever he comes out in the draft, defending national champion Clemson Tigers. But they haven't really gotten a lot of chatter um, over these past few weeks. I think LSU is pretty much the lockdown favorite just because of Joe Burrow who's had an outstanding year, um, 5, 000, almost 5,000 passing yards, 48 touchdowns. He's the, they're the number one team in the country, and rightfully so. Um, Clemson's interesting just because they almost have that Patriot mentality of until you beat them, they're going to be the favorite. But they also ha- have that feel almost of people are doubting them because they haven't had as dominating of a year and I think that could really or they could always really surprise teams in the playoff and just dominate them um I think Oklahoma's a little bit of a wild card just because their offense is so explosive and just or excuse me and Jalen Hurts is a very very good quarterback um he's shown what he can do this year Uh, he was up there in the Heisman voting as well but I just think Ohio State, personally, to me, is my pick to win the college football playoff. And the big reason why is Justin Fields. Um, his running and passing ability combination is one that I think gives them an advantage over almost all the other quarterbacks in the college football playoff. 
And I know Jalen Hurts can run the ball too, but I just don't see Oklahoma um, escaping against LSU. And that's the big reason why I feel Ohio State's at an advantage because regardless if they play LSU or Oklahoma, I think they have the better team. Oklahoma's defense really hasn't been great all year. Now, Justin Fields has 40 touchdowns this year and only one interception passing. And he has only about 3,000 passing yards. But he also has 471 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. Not to mention, to me, they have the best defense in the country with the best player in Chase Young, who is arguably going to be a top three pick if he decides to come out um, this year for the draft. Um, people have been saying he might go back, but I personally think he should be the number one pick in the draft. However, Cincinnati does need a quarterback. So if him and Burrow do, do go out, I would assume Burrow goes one and Young would go two. But he has 16 and a half sacks and six forced fumbles. Um, that defense is just better than everyone else. And I just think the combination between Fields and Young, both offensively and defensively, is going to give them um, a bigger advantage. And the big thing with Fields, too, is he's shown his ability to um, to come up in big games, but Chase Young, in the big high leverage moments, he just shows up to play. Against number 13 Wisconsin, he had four sacks, and against number 8 Penn State, he had three sacks in one game. So he's a game wrecker. So I think in the college football playoff, he's going to be playing at an extremely high level, especially knowing that he's up there potentially to be a top five pick and it increases his potential draft value. And LSU has had a harder schedule um, than Ohio State has all year. And to me, I think LSU is a little bit more worn down and beat up just because of the teams they've played compared to Ohio State. So I think Ohio State's going to be a little bit more rested and healthy going into the college football playoff than most other teams. Um, Oklahoma's had a lot of tough games this year. Um, Clemson's been battling with some injuries. And I just think that Ohio State has the best chance of anybody to knock off LSU. And I just think that Chase Young on defense is really going to be an X factor. But I just don't think a lot of people appreciate how good Justin Fields is and how explosive he is um, with his arm and his legs. So I feel Ohio State is going to be my pick to win the college football playoff. So now bringing down the Taylor Hall trade. Um, I was going to do some more NHL talk if I could, but there really wasn't any other big blockbuster moves that have happened since that trade. So the trade overall is Taylor Hall um, goes to the Coyotes along with Blake Spears. And in, in exchange to the Devils, they received a 2020 first-round pick, 2021 third-round pick, and prospects Nick Merkley, Nate Schnarr, and Kevin Ball. And Devils also did retain 50% of Hall's salary. Hall is an unrestricted free agent after this year is over. Um, to me, this was a big move for Arizona just because they're giving off the vibe that they're kind of just going for a big push here to try to win a cup while they can. Um, you saw a similar thing last year in Columbus when they went out and acquired uh, Dezingle and Duchesne from Ottawa. And they did... A really nice job and made a deep playoff run, knocking out the number one seed, sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. 
And Arizona was already good so far this season. They were 21-13-4 currently for 46 points, and they're first in the Pacific. Um, they had gotten Phil Kessel in the offseason in a trade from the Penguins. To me, Hall is pretty much a rental for them to see if he would fit their system and if he would potentially re-sign after the season's over. But like I said, I think this is a big push for them. They're in a good playoff spot. They have a great defensive pair with Ekman Larson and Galagoski. And then Darcy Kemper's actually been a bit of a surprise this year for the Coyotes. He's 15-8-2. Um, he's kind of bounced around the league a little bit, but he's having an outstanding year so far with them. And I don't think a lot of people thought Arizona was going to be um, that good of a team this year. So I think adding Taylor Hall to an already young team that has a lot of good young talent like Clayton Keller um, is only going to increase their chances. And once the playoffs come around, it's anybody's game. Um, that's why I think the NHL is so unique compared to other sports is that it's very rare that you have back-to-back -back champions or just have back-to-back -back teams playing each other. Um, you know, Chicago and Boston were going at it for a while. Uh, Pittsburgh and the Red Wings. Um, teams like that were going back and forth in the cup finals, but um, we haven't seen too many back-to-back -to -back winners or playing each other in a while. And I just think that Arizona could be a team to be reckoned with. Um, they got a new coach this year who's done a really nice job. And the West is always very tricky just because I think the West is honestly more talented um, and deeper than the uh, Eastern Conference, in my opinion. But um, it's always so sporadic. You have teams that you think every year are going to be the cream of the crop top of the Western Conference and they end up just being completely awful or not making the playoffs. Um, you look at where the LA Kings were a few years ago, you know, they were just removed from a Stanley Cup. They had guys, Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, um, Jonathan Quick, all these guys, and now they've kind of just fallen off the face of the earth and are a really bad team. Um, so I think Arizona, especially in the market they're in, they're not the hugest hockey market, but they definitely have a good support of fan base there. Um, and I think this Taylor Hall trade is going to be big for them. Um, I know I wish Buffalo would have potentially reached out and took a flyer on him just for scoring. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that just a few seasons ago, Taylor Hall won most valuable player and is coming off one of the strongest years in his career um, in that season. And I know he's dealt with some injuries, especially last year. But I think he's fully healthy now. Um, over the past five years, he really hasn't had too many injury issues. He's been playing at least like 72 games or so almost every season. But I just think the young quarter that Arizona has there to go along with the def good defensemen that I just mentioned before, Ekman Larson and Galagoski. Um, and as long as Darcy Kemper I, uh, keeps playing well, he's going to be their really X factor. Um, I could definitely see them making a nice strong playoff push and making a potential cup, cup run. So now talking about some NBA, I'm just going to go over who I think the best team in the uh, league is right now, the most surprising team, and then just some other stories. Um, so right now, I think the Los Angeles Lakers are the team to beat in the NBA. Um, for those that forgot, um, 
I think LeBron James is reintroducing himself to the world that kind of forgot who he is because last year they missed the playoffs. Um, LeBron's still the king of this league, and he's still the best player in the world. Um, I don't care what anyone says. I think Kevin Durant makes a strong case when he's healthy, but he's not right now. And I know Kawhi Leonard did what he did last year and led the Toronto Raptors to their first ever championship. And him and Paul George with Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, all those guys, and then Doc Rivers is going to be a really tough out in the playoffs for them. But the combination of LeBron and Anthony Davis, to me, is better than anyone in the NBA, any combination. I think it's better than Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Um, I think it's better than having the Greek freak. I think it's better than Westbrook and Harden. When healthy, I still think it's better than Curry and Thompson and Durant and Irving. Um, they just feed off each other so well. They're so big. LeBron's playing both ends of the floor this year. Um, they're 24 and 6, first in the West. Um, he's healthy. He looks like himself again. He looks like almost like Miami LeBron when he was winning MVPs again. He looks younger. He looks fresher. Um, he just looks better overall on the court. Um, his jump shots really improved this year. And he's just doing a great job of being a leader. And I just think the Lakers are the team to be. I mean, yes, I know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are two of the best players in the world as well. And they gave it to LeBron and Anthony Davis opening night without Paul George in the lineup. But we're really going to see tomorrow on Christmas when they face off against each other who the top dog is. And I really think the Lakers are going to come away with a win in that game. And just the playoff experience for LeBron. I think gives them the advantage over everyone else. And I know Kawhi Leonard has been there before, but Paul George really hasn't been deep enough in the playoffs, I think, to really understand where the Lakers have guys like Rondo on their team, Avery Bradley even, Danny Green, guys who've all been there before. Um, the Clippers really don't have those guys that have been deep, deep in the playoffs besides Kawhi. Um, so I just think the Lakers overall are the team to beat. I think the most surprising team, um, in my opinion, is the Miami Heat. And it's not because they're my favorite team. I genuinely think they've been the biggest surprise so far in the NBA. Um, the Dallas Mavericks was another one I was thinking of, but because of Lucas injury and they've been a little up and down lately. Um, Miami's in the uh, weaker of the conferences. So I just think they're... Surprise because I think a lot of people knew with Jimmy Butler going there that they were going to compete for a playoff spot and probably be in that six to eight range. But I just don't think people anticipate how good Miami would be. Um, they're currently sitting at top four in the Eastern Conference. They were tied um, for second the other day. But their young core of Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn is just one of the best in the NBA. Kendrick Nunn's an undrafted uh, rookie that's starting for Miami and has been playing out of his mind. Tyler Hero has his name in the Rookie of the Year conversation. Duncan Robinson can shoot from anywhere on the court. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are feeding off one another with the pick and roll. Bam's been getting triple doubles left and right. And then Jimmy Butler is doing what he always has been, being a dog on both sides of the floor. 
um, wants the ball in big moments. They've beaten all of the good teams in the Eastern Conference. They've beaten the Bucks. They've beaten the Celtics. They've beaten the Sixers. Um, and then just Eric Spolster, I think, never gets enough credit that he deserves for what he's done ever since LeBron left. Chris Bosh had to ultimately retire because of his blood clots, and then Dwayne Wade ultimately leaving and then coming back and now retiring again. So what he's been able to do for that franchise has just been astonishing. And I think Miami is really going to surprise a lot of teams here. This could be a team that ends up going to the Eastern Conference Finals just because they play good defense and they have Jimmy Butler and Adebayo and then surrounding them is a bunch of good three-point shooters. And then finally, one of my favorite stories is Carmelo Anthony finally being back in the NBA after pretty much being out a full year. Um, it's really great to see. I've always loved watching Carmelo play. It's so You always feel for him just because he's always going to be compared to his banana boat brothers in LeBron James, Chris Paul, and Dwayne Wade. And you could even throw in Chris Bosh in there because of the 03 draft class. You look at all those guys, and you look at LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, all won multiple championships. LeBron's won MVPs. D-Wade's won finals MVP. The countless all-star appearances by all of them. Chris Bosh has won two titles. Um, Chris Paul hasn't won a title, but he's been deep in the playoffs. Carmelo Anthony has never even appeared in a finals. and He's very, very rarely been in the playoffs outside of a few times in Denver and I believe once or twice with the Knicks. And then he was with um, Oklahoma City in the playoffs, but they pretty much just got blown out of the water. And then the Rockets got rid of him after 10 games last year. But he looks really healthy right now. He's helping out a struggling and injured Blazers squad who in the offseason lost Harkless, Seth Curry, Alfaruk Aminu, uh, Myers Leonard, and right now Zach Collins is probably out for most of the year. Nurkic is going to be out until at least All-Star break, and then Rodney Hood uh, tore his Achilles, so he's out for the year, which is really what triggered them um, signing Carmelo. And he's been starting for them every game. He's averaging 16 points, 6.2 rebounds, 1 assist, and he's shooting 41.4% from the field and 41.7% from three. So he's doing things on both ends of the floor. Um, I think he's a lot more committed defensively this year than he ever has been. He was named player of the week in his first week back in the NBA. He's just doing a great job of providing leadership in combination with Damon CJ McCollum and the Blazers have worked their way back up. Not a great record overall, but they're back into the bottom part of the playoffs for the Western Conference. I think as the season progresses and they get healthier, Carmelo's still going to be a vital part of what they're doing this year. And it'll be interesting to see once guys like Nurkic Collins come back, if he'll continue to start. But with the way he's been playing right now, there's absolutely no reason for him not to. And it's just great to see Carmelo back in the NBA after... I think he was unfairly treated and pretty much just blackballed away from the NBA for no reason. And I think a lot of fans are truly happy to have him back. But yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Bills and the playoffs after we finally get to see who they'll be going up against. 
Then I'm going to talk about whether it's finally time to make the move of Sam Reinhart to center on the second line and put Jeff Skinner up with Jack Eichel. Um, and then we're going to just talk about some more college hoops, get into more Canisius, UB, Niagara, St. Bonaventure. And then finally, we're going to be talking about who has been the offensive, defensive, and rookie of the year, in my opinion, for the Bills. But that's going to do it for this episode. I wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode, and I hope you all enjoy the rest of your weeks. Thanks, guys.